we really try to focus on the excitement of being a top fundraiser and what can we do and finding those fundraising incentives. Uh, just recently, we did a poll and we found it very fascinating that they were not motivated by an incentive such as a piece of swag, like, mm -hmm. you know, a hat or a t-shirt or those things. Uh, there's a few people, but for the most part, they were motivated by experiences. Welcome to fundraising events. During each episode, we will chat with an influencer in the event industry who has been instrumental in helping nonprofits raise more funds. Our goal is to share helpful tips, tricks, and stories that will empower you to raise more with your future events. This episode is brought to you by Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up, your fundraising event technology experts. Next time you have a fundraising event, try Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up, whether it's a run, walk, ride, golf tournament, gala, or fundraising campaign, raise more, save time, easily with the Give Sign Up, Run Sign Up, purpose-built supporter engagement platform. Get started for free today at givesignup.org. All right, so I'm Brian Jenkins, and today I'm joined by Kathy Wise, and welcome to Fundraising Events, Kathy. Good morning, thank you, Brian. So um, we were chatting a little bit before you're getting started. We've got the tough question to get started here. So, um, so can you tell us a little bit about you and your organization, Simplify and America's Fund? So like Brian said, my name is Kathy Wise and I have been with Semperfi and America's Fund for 14 years. Um, it started in 2004. I came on as a volunteer in 2007 and in 2010, I began um, developing and taking over our community sports program, which I've overseen for 11 years. Uh, Semperfi and America's Fund is a nonprofit that gives back to our military community, the combat wounded, ill and injured, and their families. Um, we are grant-based. Um, we have given away over $246 million since wow. inception and assisted over 26,000 service members. So we um, have three main focuses, um, transition, family member support, and integrative wellness. And through our integrative wellness, we have a program called Team Semperfi, which is a sports program that assists our service members with getting out there and being in the athletic community and recovery through sport is their tagline. And our tagline with community sports on the fundraising side is support through sport. So our two programs work side by side, um, which is really amazing because it really um, helps our fundraising with the interaction with the service members that they're fundraising for. That's great. I didn't realize how much money you guys had raised in total. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you today is that I think you guys have done a tremendous job um, utilizing, in common language, I call it charity bibs. Um, and so maybe you could explain so we get everybody on the same page, like what charity bibs are. So it's interesting, a little history. Um, many of the major marathons have a charity program where you apply and you become a charity partner. So we are charity partners with Chicago Marathon, Boston Marathon, New York City Marathon, Marine Corps Marathon, um, Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon, Big Sur. So there's a lot of different ones that have charity programs. Um, Boston claims to be the first charity, um, have the first charity runner as they had in the forties after the war, um, a runner with the last name Carrie Akides, who came, won the Boston Marathon and took all of his winnings and gave it back to the country of Greece and okay. uh, made a huge impact. 
but official charity programs through the races didn't start until 1991 with the New York City Marathon. And the co-founder of New York City Marathon was going through brain cancer and the hospital that he um, was being treated at, he wanted to raise money and give back to that hospital. And so he really encouraged the fundraising um, through races. And so that's where it started was in the 90s. Um, all the races quickly, you know, found that this was a great way to give back to organizations um, in their cities, states, towns. So um, that is how Charity Bibs started. Um, we have found that we don't like to reinvent the wheel. We have tried reinventing the wheel and putting on our own events, but we found our most success was through these established events. They want to get into a marathon you know, the big ones and, um, and they're willing to do it to raise money. So we have found huge success through be being charity partners and not putting on our own events. Um, I think our largest year at Marine Corps Marathon, we raised $800,000 through the charity bib program. Wow. Yeah. So it's just really fantastic for us. Um, that is where we found our biggest success. So I, I appreciate some of that history. I didn't know any of that history. So how did you get started you, you obviously have a great lineup now of these major events so how did you guys kind of get started with that right well i will tell you that um, we were already a charity partner with the marine corps marathon when i came on 2009 um my husband was in the marine corps and we were living in the dc area and i was volunteering and going to the hospital to meet our servicemen and women who were injured a couple days a week and um marine corps marathon um like I said, was a big fundraiser for us. So they asked me to come and volunteer. And there is nothing like the um, endorphins of a running community, right? They're just like the nicest people. It's so exciting. There's just nothing like seeing someone finish a marathon, especially if it's our first marathon. But being connected to the mission, like I was going to the hospital and seeing directly how the dollars that we were raising were impacting the lives of these service members and their families. So when they asked me if I would like to um, take over Marine Corps Marathon, I jumped at the chance and knew that that's where I wanted to be, which like I said, I was there for 11 years in that role. And um, we added races, like we just started there with Marine Corps Marathon and we've continued to you know, add races every single year. We've tried all different sports to see um, what works, but uh, you know, the running events are, our biggest success. Not, not to say we don't have other events like triathlons and things, but that is where that is where I started. Um, and we've just grown every year. We just um, are able to apply for any program and, and see how. So, like, when you're applying to, did you participate in the application process to Chicago? Absolutely. So the one thing that's unique about our organization is that these races want to know how you're directly impacting their community. Well, we have service members all around the United States. So yeah. that is an advantage for us. Um, and the fact that we are directly impacting service members in New York City, in Boston, in Chicago. So that is a clear advantage for us because we are a nationwide organization. Um, but I still, you know, encourage everyone when they're asking about you know, charity programs to find races in their area that they can make a direct impact on their community and be able to give back. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping that some people will take away from this is that um, there are um, regional events that maybe aren't Chicago or New York, but they're very important to the community. Mm -hmm. um, and if your nonprofit has direct impact in that community, 
they may be very open and willing to partner with you to provide some bibs or a special access or something to give you something that you can market. Um, and that's hopefully what I was taking away. It's not just, hey, you've got to apply to these major events. There's other events that are impactful in your community that people would be interested in potentially participating with your organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, we've done some smaller ones. Uh, one of our favorite events, and it was the first event Team Simplify ever participated, was Cooper River, Cooper River Bridge Run down in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, that's a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a great event that was um, impactful for our service members and and not that far from Paris Island, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, I, so I think we understand the concept of charity bibs, and now you have um, um. So one of the interesting things now is like, okay, so say I have ten spots or twenty spots, um, what tools would or how would I start marketing and recruiting people to participate in this? Because it's not just that they get to run; there is an ask, right? So we're asking you to fundraise. So, so can you walk us through that? So one of the interesting things also about our organization is that we have given away millions of dollars, but we've been able to keep our overhead at just 7% over since inception. So um, we are truly grassroots. And uh, it's funny because people are like, we don't, we don't know about you. How have you given away so much money and how have you raised so much money? But truly it's through word of mouth. And um, we do the hard things, expos, you know, um, community outreach events, setting up tables, um, we do do a little bit of Facebook marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, we paid for some advertisements, but very little. We have just been able to grow our program by providing amazing experiences for our athletes. And so when, when you're asking like, what do, we, what do we spend money on? We don't really spend money. The, the best advertising is the word of mouth from our athletes, recruiting them, um, having races that you know our runners really wanna get into. So that's that is huge for us, but uh, just providing the best experiences. And, and like I said, our organization, we have the ability to actually show and have one-on-one -on -one experiences with the athlete or with the service members that they're raising money for. So that's a huge advantage for us if we can get them to come and they can connect with the service members directly. So do you guys have a fairly large like email database that you've built over the years? Yes, yes. And uh, I don't know how many followers we have on our Facebook group, but yeah. it's, thousands. it's thousands. So yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Like I said, it's been a, a long growing program, but um, we, we have people who have been running for us for more than 10 years straight. And so, and fundraising hundreds of thousands of dollars. We have a few individuals who've personally raised several hundred thousand dollars. Wow, yeah. So, one thing that I was going to mention to you, I've had others mention that they've had success with is, um, you know, having a Facebook group dedicated to, um, you know, these types of um, initiatives. So people can find out um, about what you're doing or where you're going to, hey, you're going to be at this expo, they could meet up with you, take a picture with you, you know, things like that. Um, so you've got people who follow your Facebook page, and they're kind of generally interested. And then the Facebook group are kind of the people are like, you know, hey, we have a service member in Silver Springs, Maryland right now that could really use some support. Um, you've got a national network. Someone's like, look, I live in Chevy Chase. I can be there in an hour, right? Yeah. And those types of things are very uplifting for people um, because there's ways to help. You know, it's not just raising money. It's not just attending events. It's like there's, there's real human interaction that they can help with. Um, right. So that's something that if you guys haven't tried it, it could be a, a great way to communicate with people. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We have um, a general Facebook page, which has thousands of followers. Then we actually make closed Facebook pages for the actual event so that they can communicate with each other, ask those questions, possibly meet up for training runs, things of that nature. That's great. Um, so yeah, the closed Facebook groups really provide a great um, conversation piece. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, fundraising goals and incentives. Um, so typically, what is the fundraising goal for your normal, you know, uh, charity big programs? So it really depends on the race. It can range from $10,000 to $600, I think is our lowest one. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. Um we set the goals based on the recommendations of the particular race. And, you know, we try to um, align ourselves with the other charities. Um, but the interesting thing I found in the beginning was here's the goal. We want to set this minimum. And you're like feeling like a bill collector, right? We never want to feel like a bill collector because right. we just want them to be connected to our mission and not about the fact that they have to raise this much money. Um, so we really try to focus on the excitement of being a top fundraiser and what can we do and finding those fundraising incentives. Uh, just recently we did a poll and we found it very fascinating that they were not motivated by an incentive such as a piece of swag, like, mm-hmm. you know, a hat or a t-shirt or those things. Um, there's a few people, but for the most part, they were motivated by experiences. So that we absolutely do fundraising incentives all the time. We're going to do a fundraising incentive here in the, in the next couple of weeks for the 4th of July. You know, um, obviously we're a very patriotic organization. So we'll, we'll do a fun um, gift for that. We keep the gifts at 2% or less of whatever the fundraising was. Um, so we can just keep that overhead significantly low, but the best fundraising incentives are like giving them the best seat at the pasta dinner table or, you know, right. Having a one-on-one zoom, if you, you're not having something in person. So there's a lot of really creative ways that you can do incentives. Maybe it's, um, you, there's finish line passes. You could get them, you know, an incentive to earn the finish line pass. So we'd really try to think of anything we can to not spend money on that incentive, but, um, swag doesn't motivate people, but money does. And one of my favorite things that run sign up offers, which we have a very large percentage shake advantage of is the refund option. Mm-hmm. So that is fantastic that run sign up implemented that. Um, we set that goal at, you know, 40 or 50% above the fundraising um, minimum. And then when they reach that, they can get a refund on their registration fee. And that's automated through Run Sign Up, which is fantastic. Yeah, one of the things that um, I, I like too is um, hotel perks or hotel upgrades. Um, you just got to have the right partner then um, mm-hmm. or be, you know, say, hey, you've earned a two night stay wherever. Um, I know that that is, uh, something that people really like is like, oh yeah, you got a two night Hyatt stay or something like that. Cause you're the top fundraiser. Um, those things do take a little effort. Um, cause, but a lot of times, you know, you can, um, if you sell like a hotel block with your group, you may be able to negotiate something like that too. Absolutely. Usually our hotels that we negotiate a, a room block, will throw in that extra one and we can use that as an incentive. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's fantastic. Um, cause that definitely motivates me. So, yeah, I love it. 
We have to find that thing that motivates us, right? And for a lot of people, it's recognition. We have a few fundraisers that are hilarious. I love it. They get so competitive with each other and they want to know like who's the top and they just refresh run sign up every single day to see, you know, who is in the lead. So that is, it's really fun to see that competition. So obviously things um, with the pandemic made things uh, a little difficult uh, when you're kind of uh, built around these charity bibs and the large events. Um, so what is your, um, you know, future outlook for this type of program and ha has the pandemic changed any of your approach? Yes, um, truly that, you know, term pivot that everyone likes to use. Uh, we had to do that quickly. We all had to do that. I mean, mm -hmm. it was trying to figure out, you know, this serious deficit in fundraising. I mean, how are we possibly going to make that up without having these events? Um, and and we didn't make it up. I'm just going to be completely honest. We didn't make it up. But what we did was we really focused on um, virtual events, experiences, Zoom calls um, to keep them engaged because we want our community to stay engaged. And we want to know that when this is all over and we can get back to in-person racing, that they're going to be there for us and that they still want to be part of this community. So we did 19-day um, challenges just to make them you know, be moving and logging hours. We did a really fun... Um, virtual RV challenge where we had to move the RV across the United States, which was really fun. I think people had a good time with that as the virtual RV hit certain towns. We, you know, sent them a, a little, you've reached it to the Grand Canyon, you know, so that was um, really fun. Some of the things that we implemented, I think we're going to keep. Um, we love the fact that these teammates can get to know each other through Zoom. I do think people are Zoomed out, but I think that getting to know each other before we you know get together for that first virtual event we will um keep implementing zoom meetings i, I really like that um it adds to like we said the closed facebook now they actually have you know a face and uh, a voice to the person that they're chatting with on facebook so we love that um what we found is that more people from their communities like you said the person in Chevy Chase is only an hour away and there's something in you know DC that they can go to that they want to get in the car and go and be with that person um I think everyone felt so isolated so we started we had tried it years ago and it didn't really work and now it seems to be working because of the pandemic is um athletic clubs where they can get together and have social events or go on a run and um we, we just found everyone was kind of on their own before this, and now they're actually desiring that group cohesion a little mm -hmm. bit more. So that's great. So we're starting athletic clubs in all different cities. Um, people have come forward and wanted to be captains. So that started and will absolutely continue, and we hope to grow that significantly um, over the time. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we implemented over the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I think some of the things we are relying on the races as far as COVID restrictions and, and those things, but it definitely make, made us think more about like our safety protocols moving forward, some of the things that we might have to implement for that. But um, yeah, and, and I also think that we can focus really on mental health moving forward. I think that the isolation was so hard for so many people that we really realized the need of focusing on mental health and keeping active and having communication. So we'll do more of that moving forward. So one of the things that I found that you 
um, as an organization do really well is this fundraiser toolkit. And I've asked other people about this because um, I think it's a, it's a big edge. Um, is, and it's something you learn over time is that uh, I, I like using the term toolkit because uh, if you have the right tools, you can get the job done. And so you're helping your fundraisers do a good job by providing that toolkit. And so maybe you could share a little bit about that and what you've learned over time. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. That is actually something that we worked on um, a little bit over the last year. Um, we had a no lie 12 page document that I created more than a decade ago, and it was things to help them with fundraising. It was thank you letters to their donors. It was ideas. You know, I, I literally had like 100 fundraising ideas, right? And it was like, you know, barbecues, uh, local races, big sales. I mean, it was, you know, the gamut of what you could do to fundraise. But the most important thing was how to set up their fundraising page and how to use their fundraising page to really tell their story. We put in a basic letter that they can keep and, and use. And it's, you know, a message saying to their, to their uh, potential donors, like I'm running for this event and this is what it's for. Um, but we really encourage people to customize it. Tell your story. Why are, why are you doing this? You know, mm -hmm. we, can, we can give a general story for you. Like, why are you doing this? But uh, again, some of the tools that Run Sign Up has, like putting in pictures or telling, you know, the reason why, why they chose this organization, not only why they're running the event, but why they chose this organization. If they're running in memory of someone, what is the meaning for this? Because that's the one thing, like you can qualify for the Boston Marathon and run the Boston Marathon, right? But if you're running the Boston Marathon and running for a charity, you're doing it for a reason. There's a lot of charities you can pick, but you're picking this charity for X reason. And, and I think it's so important that you tell that story. Um, getting off on a little tangent, but our toolkit, um, you know, we say, how do you get started? And we really have slides, beautiful slides um, that Christine Ingram on our team made that show screenshots of run sign up. Like, this is where you're going to put your picture and this is where, you know, you, you should put your story. Um, we want to set them up for success. And, you know, when it was a 12 page document, I know they weren't reading it, but now we have a beautiful um, slideshow that they can quickly watch and give them um, the tools for success to get started. Um, like you said, <laughs> if you have the tools, you can get the job done. So, yeah, and I, I, I've looked at many of your individual fundraisers or team fundraisers pages, and uh, quite often your fundraisers are the only ones putting pictures or slideshows because now we support slideshows. And uh, I mean, it, it's a simple truth. A, a picture says a thousand words. Um, so if you see a picture with uh, one of our armed service or one of our members of our services who's been injured and they're running on behalf of you know a, a friend, a family member, um, and they get a picture with them, uh, it, it says a lot. Um, right. And it, it kind of, you don't need to read the story. You can just look at the picture. Right. And so that's something I think you guys have done an incredible job with. And uh, we tell people about it all the time. But I think the difference is a simple toolkit with pictures and slideshows say, do this, then this, then this. Um, it's put picture, save it, put story in, save it, promote. Right. <laughs> Right. And then it definitely takes away that overwhelming feeling, right? Like having the simple step-by-step -step guide. So, um, yeah. So the last part of the podcast, I like to call it the teardown because no one likes um, working cleanup. Um, <laughs> so what is the best piece of advice you've received in regards to events? 
So for sure is to provide a meaningful experience that um, I was gonna say, not focusing on the negative things like we talked about earlier, just focusing on the positive, positive things. We um, provide massages in our tent after we, you know, have Subway who has sponsored us. We, um, you know, have fun music and just the experience of the team bonding. I think that that like just providing the most meaningful experience, but if your charity has the ability to have any kind of interaction with, you know, what the mission is working towards, that is what's going to really impact. And that was the best advice that anyone ever gave me is that it's not about, you know, the dollars you raise. It's about the experience that they have and that will raise the dollars, right? If you're providing this great experience. So for sure, that's the best advice. Yeah, so um, Eric, uh, who was in one of our previous episodes, um, he tells the story about how he um, rides his bike, uh, raising money for his, uh, in, in honor of his mother for Alzheimer's research. And one of the things that they do is, um, so if they if they ride in, in person at, at the gym, uh, they have this beautiful uh, setup where people can, uh, they get a, a prize basically right in front of their box, a box right in front of them that they have all sorts of swag and gifts in. So when they show up, they feel extremely special. They have their own bike with their name on it and their own box and everything. And that experience, like, how are you gonna tell Eric no next year? Right, right, exactly. exactly. You're, you're gonna ask him saying like, we get the VIP treatment again next year, right? Of course, right? right? And then you try to figure out what can I add? What should we take away? Like, you know, um, is there ways that we can activate a sponsor with this? So they feel um, appreciated, but also the our um, fundraisers feel special. And I think that's a great message to remind people as experiences um, uh, sometimes can't be replicated because you guys have this magic formula that you figured out um, of that team camaraderie, you know? Absolutely, yes. Bringing everyone together is just the best experience. So um, one of the things that I always love is we have this giant pasta dinner. Um, Marine Corps Marathon's our biggest event, obviously. Uh, we were started around around the Marine Corps and have since you know branched out to all branches of service, but uh, that is still our biggest event to this day. And I cannot tell you how many notes, posts, anything that's, you know, um, that I've received where people talk about their pasta dinner experience. So um, it's great. We have um, our leadership gets up and talks and tells about the impact. They're sitting at tables with service members and it's just fun. It's just really, really fun. So, and it's celebrating them and their fundraising success as well. well that's great. So the next question is a little bit more lighthearted. So what is the funniest thing you've seen at an event? Okay. So I know that I, I watched a few of your podcasts. I know a lot of people talk about costumes, but still the only thing that really comes to mind is um, this guy, I think it was 2016 or 17, who ran as a caveman. And if you all Google it, you can seriously see like, what you just say, it's caveman in Boston. It's at Boston Marathon. Yeah. So the Boston Marathon and um, he only ran in a loincloth and he had a necklace with um, bones around his neck. He had long hair, beard, barefoot, the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> apparently he's an internet sensation, but still to this day, it cracks me up. I, I couldn't believe my eyes that this man had run the entire marathon barefoot in a loincloth. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So what is, uh, last question, what is your favorite event? It can be a concert. It can be, you know, anything that you circle on your calendar that you look forward to. 
So live music, I have missed it so much. I love going to concerts. I try to make it a goal to go to at least six concerts a year. Um, so I've really missed that. I'm excited for some live music this summer, especially sitting outside on a lawn and listening to live music. So I love, love that. I also love sporting events. Um, of course, the race world and the finish line is great, but um, I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back to a baseball stadium and sitting out in the warmth and watching the people and watching the game. So, so are you, are you left field, right field, or are you in the stands behind the stadium? <laughs> uh, let's see. No, no, I'm in the stadium. I, okay. I'm, behind, I'm behind home plate. Come on. <laughs> oh really? Well, I would. My opinion is the best place to sit is in the in the in the bleachers, um, and uh, you know, hoping if you get there early enough, yeah. um, and you sit in the bleachers, they're hitting BP, and uh, you can catch a ball. Like you got a reasonable chance of catching a ball. You actually can also catch a ball out on the street next to it, because um, the ball will go out of the stadium, and then you can potentially there's people running around with baseball gloves catching them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or Brian, if you're really cute, cute, and you just wink at them, they'll give you a ball. Well, <laughs> my daughter and I bet you we could get one. I bet you could. I bet you could for sure. You'd probably throw it back though. So <laughs> oh. this has been great. Um, I, I think, you know, you've, uh, we haven't had anyone talk about charity bibs. It's something that, you know, I find very intriguing because I think it's building um, on top of an already built community, but then you put your own um, flavor to it. Uh, so I think it's a great concept and I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you guys about it because I think you're one of the best at it um, and been doing it for a long time with a long history of success. And what, 250 some million dollars is a lot. Yeah, so. So it's pretty awesome. And through the races, we bring in over a million dollars every year, so. Yeah, that's incredible. So I encourage people to check out the races in their communities. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be the Boston or the New York City, you know, but you can connect with the races in your local community and make an impact. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy, and uh, look forward to seeing you at a conference here soon. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Brian. Mm -hmm.